You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Welcome to the JCM podcast show. Welcome, guys. We are late again, sorry. Yes. Um, probably should introduce us. I'm Jessica. I'm Carissa. And usually we bring this podcast to you fortnightly. We're, we're been... averaging one every three to four weeks. At the yeah. <laughs> but I think, I was going to say we promise, I think I said this last time, but we have them booked in now to become a fortnightly event in saying that our last one was booked in, but I pulled the plug. Yeah, so thank Foxy for that one. (laughs) I was totally willing. Actually, I probably breathed a big deep sigh out when you said you've got a spare hour to catch up and stuff. I was like, yes! Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, Anyway, um, today we're going with actually a topic that was requested by a lovely listener, Mm -hmm. and we have delved into this a little bit before when we talked hormones. Yeah, I I think, think maybe when we talked about the Dutch testing. Mm -hmm. I don't know, there was a few different options of where it's probably weaved into what we talked about um but we wanted to delve into the ocp or oral contraceptive pill yeah and talk a bit more about it um why it's used the implications for the body and more importantly uh, where we come in with helping people come off the pill and resetting everything Mm. post the ocp yep in a nutshell right in a nutshell and we'll probably actually cover like i know we said the the ocp but we'll probably cover just the other forms of contraception as well yeah we're gonna touch on that yeah yeah why not why not why not so i guess just to start at the start um as i said the ocp or the oral contraceptive pill Mm -hmm. um probably the most common used contraceptive um and most prescribed (laughs) um as you said there's other ones like deprivira and implanon which we were just talking about because i got it around the wrong way which one was the Injection as opposed to which one's the implantation. Funny that implantation. because implant, like implant on implant. Do you know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, I never even like, drew that correlation. Like, I'm really simple with shit like that though. Like yeah. things that are so like ball tearingly obvious. <laughs> to Obviously, me. your brain. Oh, you mean you wouldn't get it? Or you no, would? I, I wouldn't have drawn the correlation. Oh, I see. Either. Like some things are so simple, and it's like something's named something because it, you know it quite obviously means that, oh, like right, implant right. on implant. Like it just kind yep. of makes sense. I am the last person to pick up on <laughs> stuff like that, and then I have these little light bulb moments, like years down the track, and I'm like, wow. You're so simple. <laughs> happens to me all the time. Oh, dear. I can tell you some, but then you probably, like, not want me helping people with their health. Because if you're like, you can't even marry that up with that, <laughs> then you shouldn't be helping people. <laughs> anyway, oh, I won't it. tell you anyone, actually. Well, obviously, there are, I think, our main three, but... Um, yeah, the OCP is definitely yeah. what is used the most yeah. and what we see very, very commonly just on your client yes. history forms coming through. Mm-hmm. Marina is um, another one. Did we talk about Oh, yeah. Marina is a, Marina. Marina's a big one, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, Marina, oral contraceptive yeah. pill, Implanon, yeah. followed by Depravira, which is probably the shot. Yes. Yeah. sometimes the copper coil. Yes. Yeah, true, true. I've got a few clients with yep, that. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Okay. Sorry, I was <laughs> like, just like, that's tough. I'm actually like, no, Jess, it's not. I've got a few more I'm throwing in there. <laughs> I'm like, mm, yes, yes, okay, we got them. <laughs> 
Oh, so when it comes to the OCP and these other forms of contraceptions, it's all about using synthetic types of estrogen and progesterone yep. to yep. manipulate and control the cycle. So yep. we've got when the pill was first introduced, it was more progesterone mm-hmm. and it was like high progesterone, mm-hmm. which is why there was a lot of like crazy outcomes for the poor mm-hmm. women that got hit with that. Jesus. It's interesting when you like start looking back into the history around when the pill was first used. And it was like the time of obviously like women's sexual liberation and all those mm-hmm. cool things that were happening in the 60s. But it's kind of interesting at the same time. It was like, yes, there's this pill that gives us sexual freedom, but at the same time it was really screwing women up. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I find that fascinating. Yeah. Anyway, that's a bit of a segue. We could actually <laughs> say that's a conspiracy theory that was probably created by a man. I probably should go right into the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm sure we could open up a whole can of feminist words. I know. I know, it's interesting. Oh. Anyway. <clears throat> Clear the little frog. <laughs> so... More so today, we're still dealing with synthetic um, forms of hormones, mm-hmm. yeah, but we're generally either dealing with a combination pill, yep, which, which is, is our estrogen and progesterone, or progesterone only, yeah, essentially, yeah. The other, <laughs> like, <laughs> the other types, like we talked about, the other um, methods. Um, most of them tend to be around progesterone. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So Marina's progesterone, um, Implanon is usually progesterone. The pill's usually the only one that's usually estrogen, progesterone, balance, like yeah. combination or straight progesterone. The copper coil is the only one that doesn't actually put any hormones into the body. So for anyone wondering what the difference is there, the copper coil works and they actually – it's still considered an, like an interuterine device, like the marina would actually whack it up inside there. Um, but the copper coil actually kind of sits into the uterine lining and basically almost tricks the body. The skin uh-huh. kind of grows around it a little bit and tricks the body into uh-huh. thinking that it's pregnant or it's yep. got something implanted into the uterine wall, that uterine wall there. Yep. So therefore you don't actually release an egg and you still get a period, I think, on that one. So the question I get a lot just with that while we're covering it is that why wouldn't you just go the copper coil every time if it's the one that doesn't like put any synthetic hormones into the body so obviously with everything there's risks associated i think the risks associated with the copper coil is a the fact that there has been some pretty nasty horror stories with the uterine wall actually growing around that copper coil like Mm because obviously by nature um our uterine wall is um there's a lot of growth and changes that happens in happens in that area and so there has been a lot of horror stories with that actually growing around the copper coil and in saying that i'm sure there's just been some yeah, normal great yeah. stories the other thing is is we can't ignore the um the fact that it is a low dose what is copper yeah our body will absorb some of that copper mm-hmm. regardless of what they say so mm-hmm. it's nothing it doesn't matter like copper toxicity is a thing um mm-hmm. and people we just probably need to consider the relationship that copper has with zinc and iron um mm-hmm. with the copper coil yeah. so that'd be my cautions with that and that's yeah. what i say to people when they ask me about that one have you had many clients yourself with them that have been like yeah it works fabulously I actually haven't – I don't think so, no. Yeah. But then again, it's not really the preferred method. No, of that's it. It's like yeah. really rare, isn't so it? So rare. Because I think they say to people, it's definitely you want to have uh, – it's because of the way it sits too, like if you've got multiple sexual partners, it's mm. not one they will recommend. Because, that's right. Because yeah. um, obviously yeah, if you – Yeah, well, too. if you would pick up an STD or something yeah. because of the way it sits, like say if you had got chlamydia from having yeah. sex with a random or something like that mm-hmm. um, and it – it, it has the potential to – it kind of allows an access way from the vaginal mm. cavity up into the uteral right. yep. cavity. So there are – yeah, that was – I think so 
that's probably maybe why. But yeah. then I don't know how the marina differs from that in the sense well, that we can't even allow the same passageway. Or... You mean as far as STDs? Yeah. I no, I don't know. I'm yeah, not sure, actually. Not yeah. Well, that's <laughs> why we don't work Obviously. in a sexual health clinic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we will both be blatantly honest about that. Not yeah, quite sure. Not quite sure. <laughs> anyway, that's just something I've had a lot of people because I do get heaps of questions about contraception because yeah. we obviously talk about it so much. Yeah. And then I've had lately on social media just lots of questions about the copper coil. So I just throw that one out there. I tend to see more, besides the OCP, I tend to see more women as an alternate using the marina. Yeah. Like, more so. I think um, the marina's seen... far outshone the implanon, because the implanon yeah. is just, seems to, I have not met anyone that that freaking thing has agreed with. Yeah, I've, people are just like, get this out, out of me. me. Yeah, yeah, I'm going batshit crazy, or I'm putting on weight yep. like it's going out of fashion, yep. or I'm depressed and I've got no energy. Like, yep. I'm yet to find someone that goes, oh shit, the implanon's amazing, <laughs> let's exactly. go get that. Or they have really, they're not meant to bleed and then they get this breakthrough bleeding and just bleed yep. for weeks on end. So, yeah, for anyway. Sure, for yeah. sure. And the marina, I've seen ups and downs. Like, some people will swear by them and yeah. say they're amazing. And I I've seen swear. other women just like, this is horrible, get it out. Yeah. And, and I think that sort of, it'll tie into what we're talking about today. Yeah. And as always is why these things are so individualised mm -hmm. why these um, contraceptions can work so well for some people and yeah. not for others. and not for others. Yeah. So I think to look at the whys as well um yeah. you know like we're talking heavily about contraception here but they aren't always particularly the ocp mm. isn't always used for contraception often um, women are put on the ocp at a really young age to help with their skin um thought oh. of to be more around like a hormonal reactivity so it's used in that way and then often <laughs> just look at you i'm just gonna put a sad face at jess's little broken wing <laughs> <and her> crinkly <laughs> skin <laughs> sorry it looks like snake i know that's what i just looked at i was like it's, it's actually shedding <laughs> yeah, I know. like it's actually dying and shedding oh god that's disgusting i'll get you to feel it later no, you'll be like be to. <laughs> <laughs> i can sit and look at it from afar i need to touch it <laughs> Um, so yes, skin and then um, cycle regulation as well. So, you know, girls that are just in the first few years of their mm. periods, if they're starting to have problems there and a lot of pain and heavy periods or Irregular. PCOS, yeah. anything like that, it's, it's often used as that first point of call by GPs to just pop them on the pill, which for us is like pretty scary to be yeah, honest like 100%. you know i think with a lot of the other things outside of contraceptions there's usually other underlying causes mm. that are the the reasons why particularly when it comes to skin why yeah. these um, girls are experiencing acne and the pill yeah. is used as a bit of a mask for these conditions yeah it's, it's just it's exactly what we've talked about in the past and other podcasts and with so many things it's just kind of it's symptom control or it's a band-aid approach it's like yeah. let's just whack you on something synthetic that basically kind of puts a blanket over all the extreme symptoms and just gives you a normal tolerable cycle yeah basically exactly um, and which isn't even a pro well it's a cycle but we're getting that breakthrough bleeding yeah, yeah. so it, it depends on two off the top of my head, like the type of uh, OCP that's being used too. Yeah. So I think, you know, we're essentially it's going to stop ovulation, yeah. particularly with that estrogen progesterone. Yeah. Whereas progesterone is more about affecting the cervical um, and the vaginal mucus. Yeah. So it really plays around and inhibits the sperm, essentially getting to where they want to be. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it just, it really comes down to like, again, what sort of, um, 
pill base that you're using and then how that's interfering with yeah. that hormone feedback cycle, yeah. which is such a, you know, beautiful dance of this synchrony yeah. between what's happening with our actual cycle itself and then that biofeedback into our brain. And when we take these synthetic hormones, basically what it's doing is getting in and disrupting that mm-hmm. cycle, which works as far as contraception and some of these other uh, factors. But once you start going in and disrupting that biofeedback between, you know, the brain and the hormones mm-hmm. is where long-term um, we can see issues, but also short-term, which is what we're going to talk about too, yeah. like some of the, the um, you know, the side effects essentially. Yeah. And I think one of the things that Jess just touched on before too that is really, really important to note is that a period on the pill is not actually a period. No. It's a breakthrough bleed. So what they actually do is give you seven days worth of sugar pills where essentially you're not getting an influx of synthetic hormone. So your body kind of just bleeds. It's yeah. not it's not considered an actual period. Mm-hmm. It's considered like it's exactly what Jess turned on, which is a breakthrough bleed. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so that's really important to note as well. There's something else I was going to say, but I've totally lost <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, when I got on that tangent, you said something else, I'm like, I'll comment on that, and I'll comment on that, and I'll comment on the first one. I can't remember what the fuck I was saying what was. <laughs> anyway, I'll come back to me. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about um, some of the side effects, essentially, I think. <gasps> yes, I'm let's. Gonna... And you know what? Before I delve into this, I just want to put out there that we're talking about this obviously from a health point of view and what we've mm. seen clinic, but we understand that contraception, whether it be the OCP or a lot of the other things we've talked about, work for a lot of people yeah. and they can be amazing. And we are yeah. not telling you that you shouldn't be utilizing them. We yeah. just want you to be informed, informed and understand yeah. like some of the complications and also, you know, maybe what to consider in the long run. Yeah. I just want to put that out there so people aren't like, yeah. oh, my God, I've got to stop the pill as yeah, of today. Yeah, 100%. Because I've got a lot of clients on the pill or on the marina and it works amazingly for yeah. them and I just leave them alone. Yeah, I ask them the checklist of things that we're going to talk about or the things yeah. that, have, you know, that should be taken into consideration. If they're not ticking any of those boxes, stay yeah. on the pill. And when it, if and when the time comes that you want to have babies or you want to maybe deal with if it was a skin issue or whatever mm. your reason was for being on it and then wanting to come off it, then we deal with that when we come to it. We don't have every client in our office and be like you want to go you've got to get off and it's yeah. a demon thing yeah, exactly. like it's it's not that bad but yeah definitely there's just I think and this is the conversation that I have with a lot of my clients is is that there's not and I actually we did I did a talk about this um a couple of weeks ago just there's not enough education around no. the side effects of the pill like it is handed out they're handed out like lollies to teenage mm. girls or with the parents consent usually but there's absolutely no pre-screening mm-hmm. which I think there should be I so agree like for the health factors um, or the risk factors associated with going on the pill. So you need to have a look at, you know, your genetic predisposition. Mm-hmm. You need to have a look at, which we'll talk about, like, you know, the diet, the health status. Like there's so many reasons why the yeah. pill may not work for someone. And I think that needs to be incorporated maybe into a, a standard medical screen before GPs just so hand true. this stuff out. Yeah, I think when you look at like the standard side effects, like pretty much the main things I'll talk about is um, cardiovascular disease or thrombosis right as far as like precursors there but there's not a lot else that kind of comes with maybe a warning like compared to as you just said nutritional deficiencies like mental health yeah 
so many other factors that they should be screening for and even even a standard hormone profile to see where this person sits before they go yeah but even thrombosis like they throw that out there like it's this far-fetched thing that no one's you might like thrombosis is a risk factor they don't even ask you if you smoke for a start but Mm. they don't actually explain to you what thrombosis is the reasons behind why people get that and that it's actually not uncommon yeah like this is the thing they make like i feel like they say oh thrombosis cardiovascular disease but you're young and fit so you've got nothing to worry about um well actually i've had clients have strokes being on the pill where side effects weren't you know like just little things like that it's like well there is it is a risk factor and it's a serious one so definitely mm, Definitely. let's start with those (laughs) (laughs) yes well i guess that's number one like is definitely which is probably the most known isn't it like is that um yeah cardiovascular risk with something mm. like thrombosis yeah did you want to talk a little bit more about that uh, i don't know how well, much you want to share well, I as just, far as oh well I, don't yeah, I, was just, I think just obviously like people think of thrombosis as blood clots um so and i think they think most young people don't get blood clots but blood clots more often than not like so the pill actually thickens the blood mm. um but what it does is also because one of the main nutrients involved in the metabolization of the the blood the blood clotting cascade is that what you're talking about yeah just that like obviously we need adequate levels of b12 among other things for that to Mm -hmm. happen but so obviously we can we now know how at risk so many people are of a b12 deficiency and then when Mm -hmm. we're talking about teenage girls like let's just talk about the trending diets at the moment that put teenage girls at risk of a b12 deficiency veganism and vegetarian diets not Mm -hmm. so much but if they're not eating properly these are risk factors you know what Mm -hmm. i mean so they're not talking to girls about their diets first and seeing potentially if they're at risk of b12 deficiency which is going to be exacerbated by them going on a form of oral contraceptive pill which then obviously sets them up for a greater greater increase or an increased risk of forming a blood blood clot or mental health stuff yeah for sure yeah yeah, b12 and b6 i think in particular are those two main nutrients that are highly depleted by the oral contraceptive pill so if someone's not looking after themselves dietary wise yeah and as you said following certain types of diets that are already giving a deficiency there then you can end up in a lot of trouble and then that can cascade down Mm. into like a plethora of other conditions because we're talking about some vital nutrients for all sorts of biochemical functions yeah um the other the other area um that I feel like and I know you're massively passionate about is mental health. Yes. Because I don't think, (laughs) again, this is something that is really um, given Mm. to someone as like information when they start on, um, whether it be the pill or other forms of contraceptions. Mm. Like there is a lack of understanding between how these synthetic hormones can affect Mm. our brain function in regards to neurotransmitter behaviour. So whether that be our serotonin or our GABA pathway, so being more, just breaking these down for everyone to understand, but GABA, so we sort of think of being our one that's more of like a relaxation, um, more potentiated the other way if someone's dealing with a lot of anxiety. So mm. sort of call it like the GABA generic. GABA generic. GABA generic. I can't yes. think of the word either, but yeah, I know no. what you're trying to say. I'm like, I know how to fit those two words together, but how do I make it one word? That's what my brain's doing at the moment. Anyway, disruption of that pathway, serotonin pathway. Um, serotonergic. Serotonergic. <laughs> I was listening to um, you, talk, you mentioned to Emma the other day about the um, 
ATP, the new one. On the trip defense steel. Yeah, deal. the trip defense steel. And hearing yeah. the guy stumble over and over on the Chironese pathway. Oh, was he? I and, didn't yeah, even and he was like, and he just yeah. kept doing it. And I was just bagging so, him yeah. out. But it's, it's like, so... but sometimes they just hit you and you, and then your brain gets stuck. That's what I was like. I was actually explaining this to one of my clients, like going through the bacteria. On, we're totally digressing here, guys. Sorry. But going through the bacteria on the um, GI effects, oh, right? That's and, a barrel and, of water. <laughs> just don't even say half of them but I've got my ones that I do say and I say to my clients I'm like I don't even give a shit if this is not how you say it this is how I'm saying it and Jess will say it completely oh differently and it will be cemented in my brain for the rest of my clinical practice days that this is how you say that word even if it's freaking wrong I don't care let's do a podcast on the GI effects because <laughs> that'd be great for me to listen to but we won't talk, talk prior to <laughs> let's do it let's do it and we'll, we'll just both stumble over some of the words oh my god it'll be hilarious because some of them I just make up on the spot as well. <laughs> I'm talking to my clients, and then I just start laughing, and they're just like, "That's not how you say it." I'm like, "No, but that's what we're rolling with." So let's talk about that bacteria. <laughs> I totally forgot what we're talking about. Oh, just, yeah, mental health. Okay. <laughs> yes. So depending on what, and this is what I think really gets us like super passionate about this because some people can take their different forms of synthetic hormones mm. and it will have no effect. And if, if anything, sometimes they can feel better because it can work on their pathways in a more positive way. Mm. But for a lot of people, it can actually disrupt that balance mm. and we can see increased anxiety, increased depression. And there's certainly studies to show that. I was looking at one actually this morning that was, oh God, can I remember off the top of my head? I'm sure it was like a good 20% increase in depression anxiety mm -hmm. um of women on the pill as opposed to off the pill yeah right. like that's some pretty big stats right yeah, that's pretty big yeah. yeah so i think you know that's something that we certainly see in clinic and i think even probably women listening mm. and even just even in our personal lives we can think of people that we know who don't respond well to the pill like when Me. we talk about it exactly like, and my, yeah. my sister's exactly the same and i actually didn't even know i had um a mental health condition like i didn't even like i watched my sister suffer anxiety depression most of our teenage years and it was an awful thing to go through but i was fine mm. do you know what i mean and i went on the pill and i was fine for a couple of years and then yeah. all of a sudden i wasn't yeah so from even for me like pre-screening like like if that even was around back then before I went on the pill, I actually would have thought just based on my own feelings that I would have been okay to be on the pill. Yeah. But then I now knowing what I know about my genetics, like yeah. my family history and how much of a strong mental health presence there is there on both sides um, and looking at, and looking at how well, terribly I responded to being on the pill in the forms of anxiety, looking at what my sister's gone through being on the pill. Like, right. I remember when she went on the implant on, like she was one of those people like get it out of yeah, me. Yeah, right. Her, she's tried going on the pill on and off over the years and stuff and every time she's gone on it, she's almost borderline suicidal mm -hmm. on it. Like just it's – and she just has to pull herself off it. It's just yeah. – yeah, so. Yeah, again, I think – and that's what's interesting when you look at stats because I think it's like – and Women just, can kind of think in a collective of your close friendship group and family. Mm. Usually you can name like a couple of people you know who's just like, oh, that person like can't do the pill. They yeah. can't do this. It just makes them crazy yeah. or it does this or it does that. So, yeah. it's, you know, I think, you know, there's evidence there just in our day to day of yeah. that disruption that it plays um, 
with our mental health in regards mm. to like depending on what pathway that it's becoming mm. disruptive of. Yeah. And I've the amount of clients I've even had too, like I actually even had one yesterday and it was just it was timing for this podcast because we haven't even decided we're gonna do this mm. podcast when I had this chat with this client yesterday. But she said to me, and it's such a common story, I got put on the pill, went on the pill when I was 16, 15 for mm-hmm. contraception. Mm-hmm. Actually, no prize in terms of skin stuff or irregular periods. Like, literally just didn't want to get pregnant at the age of 16. So, yep. went on the pill and that was fine. Was on the pill up until she wanted to fall pregnant, so 25, 26. So, yep. on the pill for a solid 10 years. Came off it, fell pregnant, no issues. That's mm-hmm. all fine. But then drops in, I was a completely different person when I came off the pill. Mm. I didn't realize how good I could feel. Wow. And I've heard that so many times. So, yep. even sometimes people being on the pill, they think it's working for them. Yep. They haven't – they've been on it for that long. They don't actually know any different. And then yep. they come off it and they're like – like I actually didn't realize how not normal I felt yeah. on it, like just in terms of even mood. and yeah. So that's a common story as well. Like mm. Anyway, just yeah, drop so that true. one in. I've also seen people who have come off the pill in the past and um, haven't really done much for their health at that point. So they've just come off it, fallen pregnant after a couple of months, um, not really thought anything mm. of it, but then um, – They've gone back onto the pill, but while being on the pill, and that's probably where I've started working with them and we've worked on their overall gut health and liver health and really improving their overall spectrum of health, Mm. and they've gone off the pill to get pregnant again and being so bowled over by the difference in their cycle, like in um, whether, you know, whether it comes back at a different rate, how long it takes, like the type of cycle, the type of symptoms, so... You know, I found that really interesting seeing that interrelationship, of course, between like overall health, gut health and and obviously that interplay with hormones. And I just remembered what I was going to say before. So when I was talking, it just came to me when you were saying that, that like we, we have to start viewing the period cycle as a hallmark of health. Like this is what we were talking about in the seminar that I did. So even when we're looking at young girls and we're banging them on contraception as a, as a a symptom control measure for skin or um, heavy periods or irregular periods, a a well-functioning, healthy pretty much textbook cycle is a sign of health. Like they look at, you know, they'll look at baseline bloods and, um, you know, fasting blood glucose and blood pressure as a hallmark mm. of health. For women, a healthy cycle is a hallmark of health. So like, true. And they, they really need to start looking at it that way. Like if, yeah. if your period's not functioning correctly or you're you know you've got all this irregular stuff happening even from a young age you want to get in and work out why like exactly just throw a blanket over the top of it it's a sign of dysfunction yeah and there can be multiple reasons why it's happening multiple but yeah that's so so true we need to look at why that's happening and address that rather than just mask that because then it becomes more of a problem yeah yeah it's not really dealt with it's just blanketed over isn't it yeah that's hmm. what I was going to say before. It's my little, my little take-home message. So let's sort of move to after someone comes off the pill mm-hmm. because this is what we see again a lot in clinic where people are like, okay, I want to come off it or I have come off mm-hmm. it. I want to do the best that I can for my body. What do I need to do? Whether it's just I want to get healthier or I want to fall pregnant. Yeah. So I think one of the first things that we always look at is that, just to bring it up again, that relationship between overall gut, liver health Mm -hmm. and the hormones themselves. So if someone's been on a barrage of synthetic hormones, we really want to get in and um, support that detoxification. So we're, we're looking at the liver being able to deal with 
processing those hormones mm. synthetically because remember the pill is, I keep saying it, but it's not our everyday endogenous production. It's synthetic hormones. Yeah. So we want to allow um, detoxification of those, but we can't do that without a healthy gut. No. So at its core, we're going to be looking at making sure someone's gut is functioning well. We're going to be looking at their microbial load and making sure that they don't have any um, dysbiosis or um, yeast overgrowth, all sorts of things there, because if there's an imbalance of certain types of bacteria that can affect uh, estrogen metabolism and um, increase that estrogen recycling back on the liver. So we've, we've got a lot of factors even with just the gut and the liver that we need to get in and do before we even think about um going in and working on the hormones themselves and i think from a practitioner point of view that's something that sometimes can be a bit forgotten it's again those core layers right yeah well i just say like even if my clients come in for hormones like that's what they're you know they come in and they were like what's your main what's your main thing that's you know brought mm-hmm. you in here today blah 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 and they're like oh you know i'm ready to come off the pill or i've come off the pill and you know this is what's going on rah. the first thing i talk about is their gut and their liver because yeah. there's no point in trying to deal with hormones if the mm-hmm. gut and the liver aren't in the frame of mind <laughs> to handle it <laughs> i like to talk about it like it's got its own little brain <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> but it does but you know like that's exactly what jess was saying like there's so much in gut health and liver health and even while you're on the pill supporting like understanding that the liver is now got an increase demand in terms mm-hmm. of what it's processing and as a synthetic load so mm-hmm. yeah 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 exactly so i think yeah fundamentally gut and liver we're going to be looking at your processes there before mm-hmm. we even think about your hormones yeah. and and it's just understanding that relationship yeah. um we work there first and foremost yeah. and then if we'll look at obviously you know why have you gone on the pill has it just been contraception was there skin mm-hmm. issues if there was skin it might be looking at okay what was causing the skin issues? Are we dealing with underlying food intolerances yeah. that have never been treated? Has there been gut issues from day dot? You know, yeah. is there um, antigen issues? Exactly. So we've got to start looking at that. And I think that's where we may consider certain types of tests at that yeah. point. Um, but usually I think we'd like to – we usually like to do a bit of a clean-up first. Yeah. Just like, up. Well, exactly. It's like, yeah. well, if we haven't just done the basics, like how are we going to – Yeah. You know, it can kind of go in to get this information. It's like, well, we might have fixed a lot of that if we just did the clean-up yeah, first. exactly. Yeah, and the liver. Um, another interesting question I got the other day on social media via email, and I just thought it was one that we probably don't actually talk about that much. But someone just em- – I think it was an email actually and said, if I was considering and coming off the pill at what time is the best time to do it so yeah so I like I typically just have an answer for this I don't actually know how right it is so I'm interested to see what you say I'm like just cycle off with your sugar round like just oh you mean when in the cycle of the pill I mean how some people yeah do you know what I mean like some people literally just stop I'm coming off the pill and just stop and they might be midway through their estrogen pills or through you know what I mean so I always I don't even know if this is right but I always just say let your like the like the breakthrough bleed cycle in and just stop with that like stop with your sugar pill around like that makes sense to me yeah i can't i actually off the top of my head i can't see there being like a profound difference between when you choose to after you've been on it for so long like but i do think yeah what you're saying makes sense to maybe use that 
those sugar pills, if you're, your body's already used to that cycle of sugar yeah. pills, it gives it a break. Yeah. And then, and just then you just kind of keep going yeah. from there. Like that makes more sense. It's not as much of a shock. Yeah. That's kind of just the way I look at it, but I don't actually know if yeah. that's why. I was, I was interested to see what you yeah, no, what you want to say. Like, yeah. I thought question. you might have meant like when to come off it as in yeah. like, you know, are you better to come off it in your 20s? Oh, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> I just meant like, like well, I just thought it was an interesting question. I'm like, it's not actually one I get asked a lot, but no. when I thought about it, I'm like, well, that's typically when someone has asked me in the past what yeah. I would say so and I don't see it as something you would like slowly reduce like no. a, you know something no. for your um neurotransmitter function yeah control. yeah no yeah no, anyway. yeah cool sugar pill camp, yeah. <laughs> sugar <laughs> pill camp. <laughs> and then Love yeah it. I think after we've done those factors we just said that's when we'd start to look at hormones so yeah. if we've, we've done we've kind of ticked those boxes and we're yep. still dealing with um, like a lack of period or yep. infrequent bleeding or other types of symptoms, then we would look mm-hmm. at, okay, what's going on with your endogenous production of progesterone, estrogen, yep. testosterone, our, our strain, cortisol levels, all of the things. And yep. then we would get in and start, whoop, start, <laughs> not my microphone, start <laughs> to work with the uh, hormones more specifically yep. and that HPA axis, which we've talked a lot about before. But so, we won't generally go there first. No. And next question that I do get a lot, which I thought... You I'm get so, a lot of I, questions. I get a lot of hormone questions. <laughs> I think because I rave just talk about the Dutch test so much, is how long once someone comes off the pill is an appropriate time to wait for a period. Oh. So this is kind of a... <laughs> You're just like, I'm not freaking answering that. This is a really loaded question. That question. <laughs> it's a really loaded question, that one, because the GPs will just go, ah, oh, six months. Yeah. Um, honestly, it depends on the overall health of your gut, your liver, mm. um, and your stress. Your There's so much in that question. Yeah. I would say if everything's functioning pretty well in terms of your gut, your liver, your hormones, and there's no underlying stuff, mm. you should typically cycle back in pretty quickly. Yeah. And that's typically, not all the time, what we will see. Yeah. But there's so many factors to consider with that, like why people won't cycle back in after coming off a form of con- um, synthetic con- contraception. Um why they won't cycle back in and this is where this is where you come cleaning up the gut and cleaning up the mm-hmm. liver becomes so important but then looking at all the other hormonal factors that are influencing that so it's not a black and white oh you should have a period within three months if yep. you don't stress out yeah like definitely. it's definitely it's not that simple because as yep. we've talked about before in hormone podcasts we're not just talking about the gonad or the reproductive hormones mm-hmm. so we're not just talking about estrogen and progesterone and you know ovaries and uteruses we're talking <laughs> uteruses, <laughs> uteruses. <laughs> have you seen that? I'm totally off topic again, but I showed it to um Jess when she was here. She loved it. Have you seen that clothing line that's actually brought out shoes and handbag and everything? It's all these little rainbow colored um uteruses. Oh, it's really cool. cool. Like you can get like skatey shoes and a big oh. nappy bag, and it's just these tiny little rainbow uteruses. That's on cool. It. They look really cool. I'll have to try and find one on yeah. Instagram. If anyone does know what I'm talking about, tag one of us in it so I can show Jess. Yeah, yeah, it, it is like there's shoes. I think there's definitely a handbag anyways uh, yeah cool yeah actually speaking of new products have you seen those period undies yes i'd love to try those. oh really i wouldn't i, I just... look at that thing on instagram and i'm just like that is right <laughs> why do i have to look at this <laughs> and i'm so okay with gross stuff and i'm just like it's the same with the menstrual cup ads i'm just oh really <laughs> i just i'm just like <laughs> And I don't care because I'm totally down with gray stuff. And oh. I'm just like, oh man. Um. <laughs> Shannon put up an awesome post about men- the menstrual cup. I don't oh, know if you, you read know? it. Yeah, it's Check worth it anyone going and having a read oh, okay. on straight. Her experience of trying oh, to use really? it. Oh, really? This yeah. is what I'm worried about. I'm like, anyway. <laughs> 
coming to our read her post first. Oh man. Yeah, they seem they're like seem good in theory things and then trying to yeah, do it. Yeah, this is what like, I this is what makes me laugh when I watch this stuff. I'm like, you guys make it all look like it's this simple, clean, you know, no mess associated. I'm task. just imagining it's like, you know, I want to go. I'm going to go to bed. I'm just going to like go put on my period underwear and go to bed, and it's just going to all take care of itself. And I wake up and there won't be any blood on the sheets. <laughs> so, like sorry, a, everyone. Sounds like a massacre scene. <laughs>
We did get pregnant once by doing ovulation induction, but miscarried early on. Some doctors tell me I have PCOS and others say I don't, but I did have a laparoscopy last year and have a fair bit of endometriosis, which I had no symptoms of in brackets, so I'm really pushing shit uphill. I don't want to overdose you with info because it's a long story, but in medium-sized nutshell. <laughs> we love these nutshells. I'm a personal trainer and I used to run a lot. I've done three marathons but haven't really done any running at all for the last three years. I lost my period after going on Deprovera for contraceptions. I was on the pill way too early in life from yeah. about the age of 15 and 20, until 22, then ended up getting a blood clot oh, in my calf no from an way. ankle injury, so I wasn't allowed to be on the pill and had to – what? Uh, I had that rod thing inserted in my arm. God, she's covering everything for us. Then started spotting. So that's when they started me on Dep- Depro and I lost my period altogether. Oh so a combo of long distance running, contraception really dried up the old menstrual cycle in brackets, although it was a fake menstrual cycle. Anyway. She listens she to does. our podcast. I love it. I was doing ovulation induction on and off after so many failed attempts. I started to it started to drive me a bit batty and we have looked into IVF, almost booked in, but I'm so determined to get pregnant naturally. I have mostly dabbled in Chinese medicine and naturopathy, which has brought me my period back, which is awesome, but it is still irregular between 33 to 38 days. I'm on herbs and get acupuncture weekly and take a buttload of supplements. Diet-wise, I steer clear of gluten, sugar, and dairy, although I still have butter. Nothing wrong with that. I don't drink coffee or alcohol and mostly eat red meat, loads of eggs, so many veggies, and heaps of good fats. I love health, so my nutrition is... I love health, so my nutrition is that helps. Anyway, Anyway. when I think back, I have had gut issues for as long as I can remember and getting off gluten and healing my gut has been so great for me, but I think there's still a little bit that I can improve on. I'm definitely a creature of habit. I could easily eat and drink the same things daily and be a happy chap, but as much as being this way can be a good thing, it means I'm very good at following following plans and probably the reason I could stick to a strict marathon training regime. Mm -hmm. It can also be hard to break out of the habits. I, I hate giving up running and struggling not to do some form of exercise daily, but I'm getting much better at this. I'm actually working with Shannon Stokes. Legend. Hey, hey, who Shannon. I believe you, <laughs> Jess, had a girls weekend recently. We're trying to detox. She's trying to detox my estrogen and increase progesterone. So hopefully that helps, but I'll do anything to try and get my body to a place where it feels safe to conceive. Mm. At the end of the day, though, I feel like every struggle has offered a silver lining and I have learned so much about myself. My relationship and well-being is generally that with a baby toddler running around on my name that sorry around i may not have found in saying that i've learned enough now i'm ready i hope you enjoy looking at the tests and thanks again for your amazing work trace oh far out yeah that's epic far out i was just like where to start right i I think the i mean i just love that this is for everything that we just said i actually just You'd read this. I actually Clarity. haven't read this um, at all until Jess popped yeah. it up just now. So, yeah. Told you it was a goodie. It is a goodie. It totally <laughs> ties in with what we're saying. So, I think the interesting thing that besides the fact that she um, was put on contraceptive from such a young age mm. and then moved around on different types of contraception and had um, these side effects as well, it marries in a lot with this, um, more of this, and she said it herself, more mm. of a compulsive habit um, to really – pushing herself this and is... this overtraining in regards to the cortisol <laughs> demand on her body and therefore like the we we mentioned the tryptophan still before we often talk about the cortisol still this is going to be one of my first things i would ask I, first thing i would probably and it's hard because obviously 
we're not weight focused, but when it comes to healthy functioning hormones and cortisol and stuff mm. like that, weight and healthy body fat percentage is yes. definitely a component that needs to be considered here. So I think even looking at your diet, um, even though it's super healthy, I would definitely be looking at um, carbohydrate content yeah. for a start Agreed. because it could potentially, just from what you've told us, and I may be wrong, potentially be a bit more paleo-driven, like yeah. maybe definitely lots of veggies but maybe no complex carbs. The overtraining um, or the potential to overtrain definitely puts such a load on the adrenals and we mm -hmm. definitely see with what where Jess was going with that is that when Cortisol can actually still um, pregnant alone in an indirect way, which is our precursor to make our progesterone. So if uh -huh. we've got low progesterone, we want to start working out why that's happening. Yeah, exactly. And I just want to use my phone as a mouse. Um, <laughs> in her, so she's lovingly, um, I'm just going to open these up. While we've we're got chatting. to, we've, we've got, got a, some Dutch test results. An NTHFR, yes. so heterozygous for both, which definitely impacts detoxification, methylation, detoxification of the estrogens and stuff. So definitely lots mm -hmm. of liver and gut support. And really. she mentioned she's working on that with Shan, which is awesome. And when we look at her Dutch, we can see there's like a really high load of estrogen and some of the more detrimental metabolites. So we yep. know that she's working with that and there's there's a generally a lower amount of progesterone production. Mm. Um, so we know she's working on that with, Shan, but as we were talking about before, we want to like look at those underlying layers mm. of what's potentiating this or what has potentiated yeah. it and how we can break that cycle. So yeah. I think, you know, for us, we'd be looking, I think, very heavily at the cortisol effect here. And I think down further, there might actually be, yeah, yeah. we can see there's some disruptions happening yes. here with a free cortisone. Um, generally, you know, even though she's knocked back her training, she's still got really high free cortisol. Um, it doesn't tell us about her metabolized cortisol in this type no. of test, but we can see there's cortisol disruption yeah. without question. So, you know, then she's also mentioned about the gut. So she's done a lot with her diet, but yeah. she's mentioned that she feels like her gut's good, but it's not great. So I think, you know, both of us would be delving deeper into yeah. that because we know there's metabolism issues around estrogen we want yeah. to make sure that her gut is dealing with that estrogen yeah. properly otherwise you can be throwing things at her supplement wise to help with like Hormone. clearance of hormones yeah. to a point but if she doesn't have a good healthy gut then we're kind of missing a piece of the picture and the other thing that we probably need to consider too is if like we've got an um we've got a I can't even say that, but from the look of it, like a double, like heterozygous yes, for both the MTHFR mutations, so the C677, and what's the other one again? The A1298 or something Come like on, that. Come on, don't you know that? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I was just like, I can't even see the screen. I'm like, I'm just going to make up some random numbers and hope no one corrects me. <laughs> but, um... The other thing when we start to look at estrogen metabolism and high estrogen is we definitely look at MTHFR. We're also looking at COMPT mutations yes, as well. Yes, yes, yes. So if we were, like, obviously this isn't the Dutch per se, like the actual Dutch testing that we use, but it's 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 kind of comprehensive enough, but it'd be interesting to look at, like, obviously that whole clip, like phase two clearance of, mm -hmm. um, you know, our... Um, catecholamines as yep. well so for someone who yep. is so stress driven are you dealing with and breaking down your stress hormones yep. properly as well so we've got a really strong liver component here yeah agreed um, and so and exactly what jess was talking about like i don't know maybe 20 minutes ago <laughs> but when we're talking about the gut the gut has the gut bacteria has the ability to almost like unpackage and reactivate toxins that yep. the liver has packaged up so if the gut is not happy you can 
throw hormone support and throw mm. liver support at someone till the cows come home. If that gut at a basic gut level is not in the doesn't have the capacity to deal with those packaged up toxins coming through and clear mm. them out effectively, you're just creating a vicious cycle. So, yeah, exactly. so much of this comes back to the gut and the liver yeah. as well. Yeah. Big time. Definitely. So I'd say in a nutshell, to use your words. Um, a medium-sized nutshell. <laughs> medium-sized nutshell. Like I think you're dealing with that hormonal component with um, Shan, which is great. But I think if you were to add on to it that gut and liver support and really looking at that relationship of cortisol yep. back through to how that's affecting your progesterone and then all of the um, – Downstream. downstream effects from there then you know you sort of would be coming in and covering everything more specifically yeah don't you think i think so yeah yeah um and i think we might wrap it up there yeah. because we have four minutes we have 10 o'clock and four we minutes, have we both clients. Got clients i have to <laughs> wee in that time <laughs> but yeah there there's it's an awesome case study so thank you and obviously we could probably talk so much oh, yeah. more about that yeah and i think yeah just on another note talking about like genetic variants and stuff like the mthfr and the comp that we mentioned like these guys don't define falling pregnant i think that's no. just like i think there's i get a lot of that from my clients like yep. i found out i've got an mthfr mutation which we call them variants um or snips or anything like that like this stuff doesn't mean you won't fall mm. pregnant which yeah yeah exactly it's, just, it's something to take into consideration exactly. and it's worth knowing so i just thought i'd throw that one out yep. there because there seems to be a bit of confusion around that um but that's it three minutes <laughs> three minutes and counting <laughs> thanks so much for, thanks for um, listening everyone guys on listening and as we usually say at this point um Any share questions? us subscribe all of the things love us yes love <laughs> us give us the loves if you guys have case studies you'd like us to discuss mm -hmm. just send them through to mm -hmm. reception at jessicacox.com.au yep. we've got like a cute little backlog of case studies we, we love them and we promise we're going to slowly get, get through, through them, them. we yeah. just um yeah we just need to make sure we're not all case studies yeah exactly yeah like we could seriously just talk about case studies all the time we know you guys want to hear about more than just yeah that exactly yes um any questions comments you know how to get in contact with us it's called social media <laughs> and emails <laughs> and emails <laughs> um, we promise to talk to you again in a fortnight Promise, 100% pinky swear. Yeah, pinky swear, we're doing it. Give oh, me a little word. We just pinky swear, guys. We're doing another one in a fortnight. We won't leave you hanging for three or four weeks. Promise. I've had so many messages. I know. The next podcast, I'm sorry. I know. Anyway, we go. All right. Over and out. Ciao. Ciao.